Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode we continue the ASMR Critic series. A listener of the show, not naming you because you didn't mention I could use your name. I'm not saying it because I forgot it. Either way, she suggested another ASMR critic, and one of the names she provided was Hilma Afklint. So I did a little bit of research on her, and I decided to go with critiquing her work. So here's her background, for those of you unfamiliar with Hilma Afklint. Hilma Afklint, born October 26, 1862, died October 21st, 1944, was a Swedish and Swedish artist and mystic whose paintings were among the first Western abstract art. A considerable body of her abstract work predates the first purely abstract compositions by Kandinsky. She belonged to a group called The Five, a circle of women who shared her belief in the importance of trying to make contact with the so-called high masters, often by way of seances. Her paintings, which sometimes resemble diagrams, were a visual representation of complex spiritual ideas. So, certainly a very, very interesting character. But how will her art fare in my critique? Well, let's just jump into it. And just so you know, the background and initial commentary uh, that I'll be reading comes from theartstory.com. Once I go through that, I will provide my own interpretation and critique of her work. Number 7, Adulthood, 1907. Number 7 painting of the 10 largest series of the paintings for the temple is at once meditative like an ancient mandala, a geometric pattern of Buddhist and Hindu origin said to represent a microcosm of the whole universe, and dynamic like a changing piece of music. The large painting, over three meters in height and two meters wide, is composed of free-flowing organic forms of different sizes and colors, bright yellow, red, green, light blue, and white. Set against a lilac background, punctuated by lines at once diagrammatic and scripted. Likely inspired by Afklin's botanical studies, the large yellow form is reminiscent of a bloom emerging from a bulb. Along these lines, art critic Adrian Searle, Searle, S-E-A-R-L-E, claims that, quote, Afklint was, so was also influenced by Darwin by the ways nature's forms and plant growth are dictated by mathematical progression, end quote. These forms, enriched by circling words and stylized letters, for example, the white H located on the bottom left corner, establish further levels of symbolism and metaphorical understandings. For Mark Hudson, these, quote, curving shapes and cryptic inscriptions, socks, sacks, sex, or eros woo, hint at suppressed eroticism, end quote. So here's my take. I don't necessarily see the hint 
at suppressed eroticism, nor by the cryptic inscriptions or curving shapes, but to each their own. To me, it looks more like a flower in a vase with other plants and objects surrounding it, um, or perhaps a hot air balloon taking flight into a lavender sunset with life's wonders surrounding it during its ascent. I do like it. Uh, for me, it's a sort of this nice intersection between something hyper-abstract, like what Pollock did, and a scenic painting, like something Bob Ross would make. So, not my favorite, and not something that I would have necessarily at my home, based purely for aesthetic reasons. But um, overall, I think it's it's uh, very well done, very interesting uh, piece of art. Up next, we have Evolution, number 12, 1908. The Evolution, or Evolution series, is also known as the Seven-Pointed Star series, which in the Christian tradition exists as a symbol of protection. The seven points of the star refers to the per perfection of God, and at the same time to the seven days of the creation story. In this canvas, the creation story is referenced further through the presence of Adam and Eve. The woman is dressed in Afklin's signature female yellow, whilst the man has appropriately blue robes. The couple are taunted by two large black serpents, making reference to the snake in the Garden of Eden that tempted humans to eat the forbidden fruit from the Tree of Knowledge. Swimming sperms and balancing eggs show the viewer that the main Excuse me, that the man and woman are in the process of physical reproduction as well as spiritual union. Throughout the series, abstraction and figuration coexist and are presented without hierarchy. There appears to be a shared goal to protect the egg, and the egg becomes representative not only of the beginning of new life, but also as the object sought after by an alchemist in search of enlightenment. In other works, there is further repetition of shells and spirals, and also a lot of almond shapes. Offclint wrote in her notebook that the almond shape arises when two circles overlap, and is called the Vesica Pisces, an ancient symbol for the development toward unity and completion. It's done by oil on canvas. So here's my take. If I had not read the overview and formal analysis beforehand, I probably would have told you that this is a nice piece of art, nice colors, some clear symbolism of parental protection of a common goal, while the snakes represent the um, wicked evils trying to cause harm. Uh, it's not to discredit the work, but for me, being a total novice, total know-nothing, ignorant, art guy, I'd say it's an interesting work done by someone who doesn't have the technical mastery of art, but has big meaning and themes they want to display uh, to the world. Of course, again, it's not to say that the work is bad, it's just me being me, and not being able to appreciate art like this um, the way it, it deserves to be appreciated. Um... It just 
it looks like something an amateur artist working her way up the ladder of mastery of the craft would make. It's you know it's reminiscent of like if you see these videos on YouTube where it's like someone films themselves while they're learning guitar or the very first time they play guitar and then 10,000 hours later just how much better they are this for me is you know a thousand hours later but not 10,000 hours later that's the way it looks to me and again it's because I'm a totally ignorant guy and you know I can't necessarily see some of these or appreciate some of these deeper details or hidden details that others might be able to The Swan, number one, 1914 through 15. The Swan, number one, portrays two flying swans in a black and white yin-yang mirror image. The birds are united by the touch of a wing and by the meeting of their beaks. In the spirit of ancient Chinese symbolism, the image reveals how seemingly contrary forces are in fact complementary. Nevertheless, there is a sense of antagonism in the work that well expresses that union can be a struggle, especially between humans. Afklin's signature colors, blue and yellow, are found on the beak and flippers of the creatures to confirm that this is a work about the striving for balance between the sexes. The painting that follows this one in the same series, this one number two, sees the swans thrust together and the color created between them is this time red and not green. The redness encircles the two birds and furthermore drips like blood from the black female bird's wings. If red signifies passion and perhaps reproductive force, the suggestion is made that this experience can negatively obliterate female energy. Indeed, more, in, more than in the other series, under the umbrella of paintings for the temple, there is struggle at work between the swans. The conflict between the heavenly and the underworld, between good and bad, and peace and war. Many other paintings that take place in the Swan series depict targets, as in the colors surrounding circles to be aimed at in combat practice. Beyond their renowned strength and protective tendencies, swans are universally deemed ethereal, symbols of trend transcendence, transcendence, transcendence and a sign of completion in the alchemical tradition. Um, trying to see if I left any other detail out here. Uh, the underlying connection with the spiritual world is still very much present, especially through the anthroposcoph... Very large words, very small text. And this is also another painting, Oil on Canvas. So here's my take. Yin Yang, uh, beautiful piece in my opinion. Um, it's the contrast between the two swans meeting harmoniously um, that I think makes it such an aesthetically lovely piece of art. I do agree with the analysis that this looks like uh, something timeless, something that will look fresh and interesting today as it will in 500 years. It's this lovely representation 
of unity that I think anyone um, from a total amateur like me to a real art critic and admirer can, can truly appreciate. I really like the, uh, again, female-male symbolism, the kind of um, contrast between the swans that is both so shocking and yet so complimentary. Um, and it can have negative consequences, right? You see the blood dripping from the uh, female swan's wing. and So, overall, very lovely. Again, it's not really the style of art that I would hang in my home per se, but um, I can certainly appreciate the work for what it is, and I think it's beautiful overall. Next up, we have The Dove, number 5, 1915. The Dove series is the most intimate and tender of all the series that compromise the larger body of paintings for the temple. Following on from the swan, the series once again borrows its title and some of its imagery from a bird, suggestive that winged creatures help to unite the duality of upper and earthly realms. This time though, the struggle of the swan has completely transformed into the peace of a dove. In this work, the dove is painted clear and pronounced. The color red is again prominent, but not as a force for disruption, but instead one of joy. Not obvious on first viewing, but upon a closer look, a miniature holy family is encased in the dove's feathery whiteness. The man is yellow, the woman blue, and the baby is red as a gift of human passion. The birch claws are also painted in the three primary colors. Overall, this painting presents a state of otherworldly spiritual union as a simple and tangible everyday possibility. Aside from this work, others in the Dove series typically include a circle and or a heart. The circle is no longer a vulnerable target, but instead becomes a trusted global shield. Here's my take. Beautiful work with the subtle details that makes really all the difference. The hands in the background being almost difficult to see upon first view uh, that work to help the dove. While the family included in the dove's feathers make it almost like an Easter egg that once you see it is really cool. Uh, the color choices make sense. They have meaning. So while it's clear upon viewing and it's not uh, this jambled mess of colors like something Pollard would make, there's so much beyond the surface that you can appreciate with a second look. And I kind of like how um, it's very geometric, right? It's You basically have the top two-thirds of the canvas is, is very clearly the dove with the hands uh, assisting it, and then the bottom third of the canvas is split into two, you know, on the right side is this uh, kind of yellow, almost like earthly uh, uh, kind of tone, and then on the left it's sort of these golden clouds, and, you know, I think maybe it's meant to represent this kind of bonding, right, of, you know, the the sky with the earth and, and um, our interaction with it. 
So, again, I think it's really beautiful. Um, and uh, I enjoy the symbolism and the difficult-to-notice details being present without just being some jambled mess. So, yeah, overall, I think, excellent. Up next, we have Altarpiece number one, 1915. Fittingly, as the final pieces for the painting of the temple, Afklint introduced three large altarpieces. Looking back to an earlier golden age and forward to another one, the painting brings to mind an Egyptian temple, which using a highly developed intuitive intelligence was built in line with the rising and setting sun. The pyramid is an equilateral triangle divided into rainbow building block sections with a run of oval discs adding more stability as a spine down the center. The sun rises above and all these saturated highly colored shapes are set up against a black background. Each one of these wide spectrum of colors has symbolic meaning within theosophical and anthroposophical spiritualist theory. Furthermore, the triangle is an ancient symbol which points toward enlightenment, connecting the material and the spiritual worlds, as suggested by Serpentine Pavilion's description of the work. For Afklint, these were instinctively produced works that possessed spiritual messages in need of decoding. Art critic Adrian Surley claims that the works are, quote, diagrams and abstractions from ideas, not wholly abstract, more representations of elements of an unseen world and of invisible forces, end quote. One possible spiritual interpretation of the work is that the triangle represents humanity reaching up towards heaven, which is the underlying journey of all spiritual life. Another understanding, arrived at through Afklin's knowledge of theosophical theories, is that the work depicts the descending of spirit into matter, and matter ascending into spirit. The preface to the catalog of the Hilma Afklint exhibition at Moderna Musette in Stockholm written by Daniel Birnbaum and Sophie Noring, Noring and others, states that, quote, no one painted like this at that time. Remarkable color combinations, monumental formats, shapes that are once both organic and otherworldly, end quote. Emphasizing the transcendental essence of the works, not easy to articulate entirely in words, and the importance of interpreting the works as such. So here's my take. I see an Egyptian pyramid with a golden sun at the very top. The temple is of all colors. It almost looks like a color palette of the rainbow just leading up to the sky. I really enjoy the black background, which enhances and exaggerates the colors of the temple and the sun. And I can understand what Adrian Surly mentioned in the original analysis about the diagrams and abstraction ideas. They're not wholly abstract, they're more representations of elements of an unseen world. And I can totally understand that concept. And that really is what sort of gives this uh, sort of 
mystic quality to the pyramid and this transcendental experience where it, it it's I think very profound work I think it's such excellent work where everything makes sense you can you can make out what everything is it's not just again a jambled mess of paint on a canvas it's geometric it's clear the physical structures make sense and yet the use of the colors the symbolism the black background all of it combines to make this very um, transcendental you know it's like connecting sort of concepts of somewhere beyond with things that we're familiar with and it's just somewhere in that middle so overall fantastic I think I can really appreciate it and uh, I think it's I think it's beautiful next painting we will be critiquing is Parsifal number one 1916 Parsifal presents a spiraling tunnel of darkness stretching inwards to a central distant and piercing white light as part of a wider series all the works collectively contemplate the quest for knowledge the title Parsifal was drawn from an Arthurian legend as Parsifal was one of the kings of the round table who devoted his life to the search for the Holy Grail with King Arthur this is a story that has a central position in all esoteric teachings representing the quest for enlightenment that drives and sustains metaphysical seekers these works are deeply rooted in the artistic theories and Rudolf Steiner's ideas of understanding man via connection to a spiritual dimension the drawing abandons highly defined busy geometric compositions to instead focus on a single image using formless flowing watercolor Afklint goes on to do the same more colorfully in 1922 when she depicts isolated ferns ears of grain and other plant matter the spiral depicted here often in earlier works and also in later watercolors has been discussed by art critic Jonas Magnuson as quote the symbol of a development from the center and outwards but also a way out of and into a center end quote for him it is the theosophical metaphor for a connection between Eastern cycle and Western evolution my critique of Parsifal it's very ominous and it's ominous on purpose I suppose I suppose the quest for knowledge is something that is daunting uncertain and could be a dark journey at times and yet we can we we continue striving towards the goal because we can see the light at the end of the tunnel the geometric composition is um, very effective uh, strategy and it's interesting the choice how the shape and the actual artwork is in the center of the canvas it doesn't occupy the whole of it as if the journey uh, towards the center is the focus but it's not the only thing out there in the journey that is life um, and that's I think a very purposeful decision right because 
the edges of the canvas are painted in this kind of uh, pink. Uh, I was going to say lavender. It's not really lavender. It's kind of peach pink uh, exterior. And then right in the middle, it's just very clearly defined. You know, this is where, uh, you know, these sort of spiraling tunnel portion of the painting begins. And, uh, I mean, that's the way I interpret it, that, you know, there's a very clear focus for the work, just as, you know, for the quest of knowledge is a very clear goal in life for those who seek it. But there's so much on the outside that, you know, gets paid attention to that is, you know, still present, still there, still important. So, um, I think it's very smart, interesting, very effective, uh, piece of art. Up next, we have Primordial Chaos, number seven, 1906 through 07. Uh, this might be the last one I included on here. Yeah, I believe it is. So, last art critiqued on this episode of the ASMR critic, Hilma of Klint, is Primordial Chaos, number seven. Chaos number seven is one of 26 works that make up the first series of the larger paintings for the temple cycle entitled Primordial Chaos. This primary sequence appropriately investigates origin and the primordial essence of the universe in all of its manifestations. Here, for example, we are confronted with a circular object that could at once be flying or floating. We could be witnessing a spaceship from another galaxy but equally an emerging moth or soaring kite. Indeed, the artist's drive towards union is further emphasized by the fact that the series is also referred to as the WU series, where W represents man and matter, and U stands for woman and the spiritual. Following this line of interpretation, Afklint developed her own language, whereby the color blue represented the male and yellow the female. When the two colors combine, they create a harmonious green, implying that marriage of polarity is spiritually important. The work and others in this series recall images of fertilization, snapshots of the moment of creation when the sperm meets the egg. Afklint records in one of her notebooks that both the snail and the spiral represent for her development of evolution. In earlier work in the same series, Chaos Number 2, portrays a series of constellations and stars immersed in a vast atmosphere that grows from day to night. For the art critic Mark Hudson, the artist's use of symbolism makes a work, quote, feel closer in spirit to much later surrealism than to abstract art per se, end quote. A similar approach is defined by art critic Jonas Magnuson when he claims that, quote, Afklin's abstraction does not abandon reality but instead emphasizes it, releasing it, end quote, in the form of messages or transmissions on new frequencies that is visualized through different signs, words, symbols, forms, colors, and diagrams. Here's my take. So upon first look, uh, 
looks like a lily pad floating on a deep blue sea or river, just kind of going with the flow. I can see it flying as well, though I see it floating rather than flying. I can see the harmony of colors coming together beautifully. Um, the, the blue and the yellow perfectly complementing each other, forming this um, really peaceful uh, green. You know, and it's, it's sort of like how, you know, the, the contrast in this case between men and women, it can come together in this kind of peaceful, loving, harmonious way, as, you know, presumably this is all supposed to represent, you know, a fertilized egg. So through marriage and through reproduction, they're able to um, create good and do good and live in peace. And, um, you know, honestly, there's not much else to say on the work. I think it's very interesting. It's abstract, yet not so abstract as to seem like a mess of shapes and colors on a canvas. And I think the art critic Magnuson made a very astute point, which is this artwork, it's not, it's abstract, but it's not about taking you away from reality. It actually uses shapes and colors and forms to symbolize and emphasize the real world. So, again, I think it's very smart. I think most of Afklin's work is um, incredibly meaningful, impactful, and effective at trying to convey these messages. And so that's it. That's my critique of Hilma Afklint. If you'd like me to critique another artist, please send me an email to hello, sleepandrelaxasmr.com. And of course, if you just have a general question, a comment, you can reach me at that same email. I always thoroughly enjoy um, reading back from you guys and telling me what you liked, what you want to hear, what I could improve on. And um, I take it to heart and I try to make content that appeals to uh, everyone to the best of my ability. So that's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening. And take care.